0: Good, good, good to see you this morning. Glad you made it here. How many of you guys are ready for the fourth? Anybody ready for the fourth? How many of you, like, I don't care. I just don't want my house to blow up, right, on the fourth? Like, my street is like Baghdad, Iraq, every fourth of July. So I don't even have to buy fireworks. I just have to look out my window, right, and then dodge a few. So glad you're here today. We are, we're taking a little bit of a break from our series at the lake. Very excited next week we'll be back at it. I just felt like this... Time and this season and this year was a time as your pastor that I wanted to address um, our country and I wanted to talk about America and the idea of one nation under God. Now, it's Ameri- It's it's interesting for me because after being in the UK for the last eight or nine days, uh, it makes you love America more when you leave American soil and then you come back home and you land. Like, it doesn't matter what city you're in, what state you're in. When we landed in Philadelphia yesterday before our flight to Atlanta, there's just this calmness that comes, comes over. You know what I'm talking about? There's something about landing on American soil. In fact, I want to ask this. How many of you have literally never been outside of the continental U.S.? Raise your Hand. How many of you have never been? Okay, cool. Well, you need to go with us over the next couple of years. There's nothing like it when you leave that country and you come back to the United States of America and you land and you hear Lee Greenwood like in the back of your Proud to be. Okay. And, and you're not singing it out loud because that would kind of be awkward, but, uh, but you're hearing it in your heart, right? And you get off the plane and you, you walk through the terminal and the first thing you smell is what? Chick fil A. Right? Right, We went on a Chick-fil-A fast for the last eight days while we were in the UK. So when we got to Philly, we looked for some Chick-fil-A. But uh, this whole idea about landing on American soil, because it's amazing when you think about it, that we live in such an amazing country, such a diverse country. We spent a lot of days in classrooms with little kids last week talking about the United States of America. They would put us in a panel and they would say, what does this state mean? What does this state do? What happens here? What happens here? And you forget because maybe, you know, you just kind of got used to the fact that you live in one of the greatest countries, the greatest country, the most amazing country in the world, right? The United States of America. America. And I know that like after bad things have happened in our country, especially things like 9-11, people get super patriotic and stuff, but, but... I think sometimes we need to just go back and we just need to be reminded. So I, I want us to start in a different way today. We've never done this before here. I want us to all stand up, both campuses. If you're watching online, I just want you to stand up wherever you are. If you're on the beach, just stand up right there next to your beach chair. Uh, if you're in a room somewhere, I want you to stand up. We're gonna salute our flag and we're gonna pledge allegiance to the United States of America. So would you do that with me today? I pledge allegiance to the flag, United States of America. And to the Republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible with liberty yes. for all. For all. Amen. Come on. Let's celebrate that today. You can be seated. So we're going to talk about that today. What does it mean to live as one nation under God? If you have your Bible, I want you to turn to the book of Second Corinthians chapter 5. Second Corinthians chapter five. We love to make this statement when we pledge allegiance to our flag, right? That we are the land of the free and we are the home of the brave. We sing it. We sang it this morning. We're the land of the free and we're the home of the brave. We actually sang the Star Spangled Banner last week with a bunch of British third graders. They were sitting in a class and eight of us were sitting there singing the Star Spangled Banner and they're looking at us like, you guys are weird. But the truth is this, we just believe that that's who we are. And let me say this, America is an amazing country. But I wanna tell you something. America in God's eyes, is not the promised land. You see, I've always looked at America as this. God somehow scores America better than other countries, right? And we go, oh, okay, there's all these other countries, and you know, this one went through this, this one went through, but, but God must look at America and say, oh, I love America more than every other country. The truth is this, God loves America, why? Because God loves people. Just like God loves the UK, just like God loves Israel. But we're an amazing country, but we're not, truly God's promised land. See, the Bible says that his nation, Israel, were his chosen people. And although we're one nation that is great and strong, we are in no way God's favorite nation. Now, and I realize that's not politically correct because, you know, this is America. What you talking about? I come to church. This is God's country. Okay. Uh, that, that, I, I get that. Because I lived growing up believing in baseball, apple pie and the stars and stripes. And I know all that is true. But, but I, wanna, I want you to have a bigger worldview today than just the idea that somehow the United States of America is God's favorite country. And you say, how do you know that? Well, Jesus himself in John chapter three, verse 16 said these words, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. It doesn't say God just loved America. America. It says, God so loved the world. And when you leave American soil, you appreciate it when you come back. But when you leave, you also begin to understand we're not the only country that God loves because God loves people. And God loves America, but God loves people. And, and, and we have this idea that somehow as Jesus followers that maybe God's favoring America. And it's not true. I wanna say this today. As Jesus followers, we're not here to just declare our freedom, We are here to help people find freedom in Jesus Christ. Can I say that to you today? We're not here to just say, hey, it's the 4th of July. Let's shoot off a bunch of fireworks that we got from the border of Alabama, right? We're not just here for that reason. We're here for a greater reason. We're not just here to declare our freedom. We are here to declare freedom that comes through Jesus Christ. And when you see it that way, you understand that America, although we're very blessed, we're not just God's favorite because God loves the world. In fact, let me say it to you this way. We are not just Americans. We are ambassadors from heaven. If you are a Christ follower here today, and notice I didn't say Christian. It's amazing when you leave American soil and you say, well, who are you? Well, and you say, I'm a Christian. Man, people have like 31 flavors of what they think a Christian is. And like 24 of them aren't very positive. Oh, you're a Christian. You wanna judge me about this, 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 It's weird when you go around. The, and now even in America, it's that way. But as a Christ follower, we are not just Americans. We are ambassadors from heaven. What if we begin to see our citizenship in America as nothing more than an opportunity to live a part of a greater nation that God says we are? In fact, think about it this way. Do you realize that as a follower of Jesus Christ, you're a part of a heavenly nation? Who's heavenly nation? The Bible says the most high God. Second Corinthians chapter five, let's look what the Bible says, starting with verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world, not just America, to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. And look what it says in verse 20. Because all this is true, verse 20 is true. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. What does it mean to be an ambassador? I think many times in our culture, we think an ambassador is a cush job, right? If you're an ambassador, you get to go live in an embassy somewhere. You get to go live in another country. And, and you know, when, when they have parades, they bring out the ambassador. Hey, it's the ambassador, you know. And But the truth is this. Listen, it's the highest ranking diplomat sent as a representative from one nation to another. It's the highest ranking diplomat. As a Jesus follower, you are the highest ranking diplomat that God has left on this earth to be salt and light. You're an ambassador. You're an ambassador sent by God from heaven to earth. And as Christ's ambassadors, guess what? That means we have a job to do. Because we're not just here living on this planet so that we can just take up oxygen and, and, and try to make sure that the, the, the glaciers don't you know fall out and, and things like that. We're here for a greater reason. We're here to represent our king because our king has a kingdom. We're Christ ambassadors. We have a responsibility. We have a job to do. And as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, there's some things we've got to know. If it's true, Paul said, because God has given us this ministry of reconciliation and we are ambassadors, here's what we need to know if we're gonna be a good ambassador. Number one, you were chosen by God, not elected by man. You were chosen by God and not elected by man. Now that ought to be very comforting because I don't know about you, we live in a world where everyone lives by popularity votes, right? Have y'all noticed that the popularity, it doesn't matter who the president is, it just does this all the time. I mean, how would you like to be the leader of the free world and try to make everyone work as one nation, right? Tough job. You think you got a tough job at your work. But this idea is that if we're an ambassador, then we're chosen by God. We're not elected by men. Look what the Bible says in John fifteen sixteen. Jesus said these words, he said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. Now that's crazy. Look what he says. He says, you're not elected by man as an ambassador of Christ. You are chosen by God. You see, the day I gave my life to Jesus Christ, I became a chosen ambassador for Jesus. And guess what? You did too. You did too. And part of what could make our nation great again is for we as followers of Christ to start walking in this responsibility to understand I don't have to live according to the fear of man because man didn't elect me to be an ambassador for Jesus. Jesus chose me to be an ambassador for him. What does that mean? This is so cool. No person or people can determine your calling, but God does. I'm an ambassador I'm here because Jesus chose me, not because somebody elected me. It's not by popularity vote. And then he tells us why he chose us. He says, You were chosen with a purpose to do what? Produce fruit. Produce. That literally, the time that you and I are on this earth, we have this opportunity to literally produce fruit that will last for eternity. You know what else the Bible tells us is true if we're an ambassador? I love this one. You're a royal priest, not a regular person. Look to the person next to you real quick and say, hey, I'm a royal priest. Do you know who you're sitting next to? I mean, you, you, you thought you were sitting next to ordinary Joe. If you're a man, you look at your wife right now and say, I'm a royal priest. <laughs> and then watch the look you get back. Yeah, it's priceless. She said, you're a royal something. <laughs> Here's the truth. Listen, you're a royal priest, not a regular person. Look what, I love this. This passage is just captivating me. First Peter 2.9. Peter of all people, right? Who saw Jesus do miracles. He says, but you're a chosen people. A royal priest led a holy nation. God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Listen, every morning you ought to get up as a Christ follower and go look at yourself in the mirror. And instead of saying, man, I need a haircut or I need to get my teeth fixed or whatever, you need to look and say, I am a royal priesthood, a holy nation chosen by God, not elected by man. Chosen. You say, wow, never saw myself that way. Well, there was a guy... His name was Martin Luther. 500 years ago, this November, he walked into the doors of the Catholic Church and he tacked what was called the 95 Thesis. And in that thesis, 500 years ago, this November, he basically declared, I am my own high, Jesus is my high priest, but I am my own priest. I'm a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And it forever changed the gospel going out to the ends of the earth. Why? Because it wasn't the idea that there had to be a minister or a priest to make it happen, that we were, as Christ followers, full of everything we needed to make and everything we needed to have to change this world. Think about it. If you were Martin Luther and you were walking on that door going, I bet this is going to cause a scurry. (laughs) I bet this is going to shake it up a little bit. I bet when I attack this and say, I am no longer bound to the idea that, that I have to follow what a priest says, but I can now follow Jesus, my high priest. I'm telling you folks, you're called to make a spiritual impact and you're called to have spiritual influence. Why? Because you're a royal priest, not a regular person. Now I think this is funny because I've been a pastor now for about 29 years I've been in ministry and I meet people all the time and they treat you as if you have some sort of a superpower. I'm just gonna, I mean, it's just kind of funny. Like at meals, people want you to pray because they think as a pastor, if you pray, the food will taste better because the pastor prayed. Okay, I just wanna say sometimes I love getting in a group of people and when they go, well, we think we should let pastor pray. I go, oh no, 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 you pray. And then I know what they're thinking in their mind. Oh my gosh, I have to pray in front of the pastor. (laughs) As if the pastor has some sort of a special power. As if the pastor can somehow make the food taste better. As if the pastor somehow has some special ability. And guys, listen, if God calls you and I to be a priest, you're chosen, called, and equipped, regardless if pastor's ever in front of your name. If we really believe in the priesthood of the believer, then we need to get back to understanding that the same Holy Spirit that lives in our favorite pastor lives in you, And what God needs is for this nation of Christ followers to become unleashed. Because we've hooked ourselves up to a leash and we've said, listen, I can never be like him and I can never be like her. I can never be like them. Why? Because I don't have a title in front of my name. It's quite awkward sometimes when you have a title in front of your name. When people find out what your title is, they teach you and treat you differently. But I wanna tell you something. God calls you a priest if you're a Christ follower. And he's equipped you with the Holy Spirit lived inside of you to be fully equipped because you're a royal priest. You are not a regular person. Look at the person next to you and say, I'm not regular. I'm not regular. I'm not. You say, I knew you weren't normal. No, I didn't say normal. You're not regular. You're a royal priest. The other thing we got to realize is this. You never represent yourself. You always represent Christ. As an ambassador... Ambassadors don't represent themselves. They represent the one of whom sent them. I was praying about that this week. You know, at at Beach Week, we learned this idea that I'm like John. I'm the disciple whom Jesus loved, right? Like John, Gospel of John. And then I realized that in John 20, he says, as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. And so this week, I started praying, Lord, I'm the disciple whom you love, and I'm the disciple who you've sent. That I'm sent. I don't represent myself. But I represent Christ. Look what the Bible says. 1 Peter 2.12. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits. I love that verse. You know what it says? We ought to represent Jesus so well that it is a quandary to our world. They go, wait a minute. Why is she so nice? Like they just cut her job. Why is she so nice? Why, why is he so loving? Why is he so caring when, when somebody, it's because you don't represent yourself. In fact, I, want, I just wanna free you up a little bit. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I don't exist anymore. And let me just say, it's a good thing I don't exist because I wanna tell you the story. We were coming home yesterday and we landed in Philadelphia. We had to go through customs and everyone's putting their passports into the machines and looking in and smiling at the machines and everyone's getting their little pass that says, hey, we get to go through, we get to go through, we get to go through. And mine comes up and it just has a big X on it. (laughs) I went, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, they're gonna take me out. I get to the counter and he says, "Uh, sir, I don't wanna alarm you, but we're gonna need to do a further investigation on you. There's people that have been using your name as aliases. I went, that's cool. They haven't been taking out credit cards or anything, have they? So they take me back to this room and they start investigating me and I get in and they pull up my file and they start looking through it. And, 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 and I just was sitting here thinking, this is going to be the moment that you're going to say, well, sir, what do you do? But they never did. So it got actually funnier. So I said, um, what exactly did this individual do that you're looking for that has my name? He said, well, he's, he's, we're looking for him. He's come in and out of the country. He's been in states and he's actually shot at police officers. And I'm going... <laughs> That's not me. Okay? I just want to tell you straight up, and I'm not staying in Philly to figure this thing out. I'm getting home. And and they start talking, and then finally he looks at me and he says, Well, sir, we can end this conversation very quickly if you'll take off your right shoe and your right sock, because this man is known to have a tattoo on his right foot. <laughs> so I reach down, I pull off my shoe, I pull off my sock, and I stick it up on the counter, and I said, It's not me. And as I was walking out the door with the stamp on my deal and the guys behind the counter laughing, they said, hey, listen, if you travel outside the country, make sure you don't get a tattoo on your right foot. (laughs) Listen, guys, you don't represent yourself. You represent Jesus. Everywhere you go, quit acting like it's your show. It's not your show. We're only here to show Jesus to this world. We represent Jesus. Everywhere you go, you represent Jesus. Jesus. And let me tell you how you represent him well. Because I I think as American Christians, we need to get back to this. This is how the early church was and we need to kind of go back to this mantra, okay? Jesus himself said this. He says, they will know you are my disciples by how you dress. No. I mean, think about it. In the last 50 years, people, well, you can't be a Christian. Look how you're dressed. Really? Really? they will know you're my disciples by the type of music you listen to. Is that what Jesus said? No. They will know you're my disciples by the brand of church you go to because that must that brand must be the church that Jesus would have gone to, right? I mean, we got that in America. We got more denominations. We got so many denominations, all we got is pennies. We got so many denominations. Listen, guys, Jesus didn't say, you'll know you're my disciple by the brand of church you attend. He didn't even say, you will know you're my disciple by how awesome you behave. He said, you'll know that you're my disciple by how you love. So why is the American church so offended? I've been here six and a half years in Atlanta and I meet more people who say this to me all the time. Well, I I used to attend this church and now I go to this church and then I went to this church and they didn't do it very well so now I'm going to another church. And in a very nice way, I want to say to people, listen, have you ever thought maybe it's not the church? Because as a disciple and a follower and an ambassador of Jesus Christ, if my one goal is to love people the way Jesus loved me, then there's a lot of other things that will never offend me. We were in a church last week in the UK and people are standing up and worshiping God and taking communion and and all this great stuff is going on. And, And I thought to myself, I thought, this is what we need more of in the American church. We just need to get back to being disciples who love Jesus and wanna make him known to the world around us. That's all that matters. Well, I wish they'd play that song because that song really leads, no, 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 no. Jesus didn't say, you'll know my disciples if they play that song. He said, you'll know they're my disciples by how you love. And as followers of Jesus, we gotta get back to realizing we're this holy nation, this royal priesthood if we're ever going to see God bring revival to America, I was doing this study two weeks ago when I was writing this message. I started looking at the statistics of what's going on in the American church. As believers, if we can't get past the issues that hang us up, we can't be focused on the commission that Jesus gave us to fulfill. What does it matter? the color of the carpet. What does it matter, the size of the sanctuary? What does it matter if someone uses a hymn book or doesn't use a hymn book? What does it matter? What matters is that we get back to what God cares about. There's so many church splits, controversy, criticism. I read this, this this one daunted me. Average pastor in a church stays less than 24 months. In America, Less than 24 months. In fact, I read this statistic. An average pastor leaves a church for over less than 18 people in a whole congregation of four to 500. Over 1,500 pastors will resign a month in America. Sad. We need to get back to what Jesus cared about. We are disciples and we represent him. We don't represent ourselves. So the question is this. Do we wanna live as one nation under God? We're a royal priesthood, we're a holy nation. You know, every time I salute that flag, I've always asked the question, I wonder who wrote those words. I pledge allegiance to the flag. I wonder who wrote those words. I went back and did a little study. The Pledge of Allegiance was originally composed in 1887 by a colonel named George Balch. He was a Baptist missionary or minister who was also a socialist. And he put those words, one nation, but it wasn't till 1954 in response to communist threats that President Eisenhower added the words, one nation under God. We're ambassadors as Christ followers. We're one nation, but are we under God? The Bible says it this way, the psalmist says it in Psalms thirty-three, twelve: blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. You see, we don't need to redefine who God is. We need to let God tell us who we are. That's what it means to be under God. And there's a great promise. I was reading through it again this morning when Solomon finished the temple and he was trying to remind God's people of all of these things God began to speak to Solomon and say some things to him about his people in the book of 2nd Chronicles In 2nd Chronicles 7:14 he says these words he says if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. It's one of the if promises in the Bible. Now think about everything that hangs on an if. If you do this, God will be faithful to do this. I wanna say something to us as believers, specifically to us in the American church. This scripture is written to us as Christ followers. It's not written to the world. We need to quit trying to judge the world. We need to start looking inside our own selves. He says, if my people, if my people, not if those people, because a lot of times we look at the world that's hurting and lost without Jesus and we go, if those people wouldn't be addicted, if those people wouldn't steal, if those people wouldn't extort each other, if those, no, 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 no. It starts with us. He says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. Listen, the key to America being great again will never come through the White House. It will come through this house. And that house. And that house. And that house. And it won't come even through the church house. So don't say, well, if the church would get their act together. Listen, we as the church. We're the church, man. We are the church. If we got problems in the church, we got problems with us. And we got to go back and we got to say, God, I want to see you bring revival to our nation again. It's kind of like what Isaiah said when he said, God, when your name and your renown are the desires of our hearts, these are the things that will happen. But he says, if my people who are called by my name, the, the followers of Jesus, the holy nation, the royal priesthood, It's why we're still here. Jesus could have saved us and evacuated us to heaven immediately, but what? He left us here. We have the opportunity to live as one nation under God. One nation under God. Would you pray with me today?